You are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 191 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's episode, I am talking to Matt George over at Locked On Kings. He is also a big A's fan, so we talk a little bit about the Kings, a little bit about the A's, and just uh, have some fun talking about sports. And if you're asking yourself, why are we having the Kings guy on and not the Warriors guy Honestly, Matt George follows us, and he's been a pretty cool dude to us, and I don't know that much about the Kings, so I wanted to find out a little bit more about the Kings, where they stand, because I know that I don't see them in the playoffs ever, so when are they going to be making the playoffs? Is Luke Walton a good coach? Other things. But the conversation takes about a half an hour, so I am going to get out of here and throw right to the episode. But first, I got to tell you guys, uh, please follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any mailbag questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So without further ado, here is my talk with Matt George of Locked On Kings. All right, we are here with Matt George of Locked On Sacramento Kings. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing well, my man. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to uh, do a little crossover between the Kings and the Oakland A's. Now, I know the A's are in Oaktown in the Bay Area, so that's Golden State Warriors territory. But as a Kings fan and an A's fan growing up, this is fun for me. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for uh, making the time and all that. So uh, I don't I haven't followed the Kings a ton in recent years. They haven't made the playoffs in 15 years, I believe. 14, 14. seasons. This would be 15 seasons if it doesn't okay. happen this year. But I do remember uh, when they got screwed in the conference finals, uh, being very upset at the referees. So I do have love in my heart for the Kings. It's just not always there. Anyways, so I just wanted to talk real quick about something that you said on last week's podcast. Uh, I believe it was the Buddy Heald episode. You said that you liked the current preseason format as opposed to the bubble format. Uh, as like a production from like production standpoint what was it about the the bubble that you didn't necessarily like was it the virtual fans or I don't know if it was not liking the bubble itself Um, I'm just a sucker for when I'm I'm watching a home team play in their arena I want the arena to be clearly theirs now the bubble did what they could do like projecting their logos and having their fans in the background and I, I thought the NBA did a fantastic job on the bubble overall, especially the the success of keeping COVID out of the bubble. Uh, but watching the Portland Trailblazers play a couple of games against the Kings in their building, on their court, even with no fans in attendance, but on a court that is clearly labeled for the Portland Trailblazers with the pumped-in crowd noise. Uh, and then watching these two recent Sacramento Kings versus Warriors games inside the Golden 1 Center on, on a Kings court, uh, it, it, it felt more normal. And while I don't want this period or this season to to feel normal overall, because it's definitely not, I want to not be distracted, I guess, as a fan watching these games. Uh, and I was more distracted by the bubble. With the, you could tell it was just different. It wasn't normal. It was this weird, obscene thing versus even though they're empty arenas, they're still the arenas we know and love. And it makes it just a little more regular for me. And that's what I was looking for. There's definitely a comfort because I watched a couple of like just quick preseason, like drop in, drop out kind of thing. And just the lighting in different areas. You're like, oh, well, this one's like Utah because they have 
brighter lights or something like that. Uh, it, there's a different feel to it. And, you know, obviously the Lakers have their no light situation going. So I, I, I see where you're going with that. That makes a lot more sense. Um, so the season starts up on Tuesday for everybody or for some teams and then Wednesday for the Kings, correct? Correct. Yeah. Wednesday, the 23rd, the Kings are in Denver to take on the Nuggets. I think there are three or four games on the actual 22nd for opening night. But yeah, the Kings are, are not one of them. All right. So is the plan at some point to allow fans into these games? Is it and it, it's a 70 game season, correct? So there, there's going to be some time there, but are they doing it kind of like uh, Major League Baseball where they're going to each different team's arena? And going like that, or are they just going to allow fans in at some point and, you know, go back to business as usual? You know, gut feeling here in Sacramento and really in all of California is that we won't see fans at all this year. Now, it's a a 72-game season, and and the Kings, or rather the NBA, released only the first 36 games of the schedule. And they did that for one of two reasons. One is in the likely event that games are delayed or postponed because of COVID, because it's, it's probably going to happen at some point. We saw it happen in baseball. We've seen it happen in the NFL. So it's going to happen at some point. They have a little more time and flexibility to be able to reschedule those games. Uh, and, that, and then I think there also is a hope from an NBA standpoint that by the 36 game mark, by the halfway point of this season, depending upon our situation with vaccines and what's going on in, in the world and in our country, different markets might be able to start allowing a handful of fans in different arenas. So, of course, the NBA wants fans back in their buildings as quickly as possible. Uh, the expectation, at least in Sacramento, is that's not going to be anytime soon, probably not at all this season, unfortunately. All right, no problem. So what storylines are you keeping an eye on, both for the Kings and for the NBA at large? Is there a, a player that you enjoy? Because it is a player's league. Is there like a Kent Bazemore is now with the Warriors? Are you going to be keeping an eye on him? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm a, for? I'm a big Kent Bazemore fan. So it, it hurts that he is no longer a Sacramento King. I wanted him to stay in Sacramento. I'm happy he's with the Warriors. I, I, I had the Warriors as an, a team that was going to be right back in the title conversation. But now that they lost Clay Thompson again, uh, I don't know how how likely that is. So that that's definitely a bummer to see what they're working with. And one of the biggest storylines has already kind of been solved. And that was Giannis Antetokounmpo, if he was going to leave the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm glad he chose to stay. That's a win for small markets everywhere. And the Sacramento Kings are, of course, a small market team. So I know Warriors fans were hopeful that they would be able to uh, convince Giannis to come and sign for the team in the Bay. But I believe that would have been horrible for not just the NBA. That would have been horrible for not and the Sacramento Kings for sure having to play Giannis more times than they already have to um, but to see a star like that choose to stay in a small market with the team that drafted him I think is an absolute win uh, and then specifically Sacramento Kings storylines more of them are individual than nothing else of course there's the storyline of Marvin Bagley is he able to stay healthy stay on the floor hopefully um, remind everybody why the Kings selected him number two overall How good are the Sacramento Kings going to be? Are they going to be able to put themselves in a position to where they're bad enough to potentially get a top pick and what's expected to be a talented 2021 uh, NBA draft class? Is De'Aaron Fox ready to take another step to be an all-star? Does Buddy Heald really want to be in Sacramento? There are a lot of questions that I think are going to be answered for both the Sacramento Kings and for the NBA as a whole over the course of these next five or six months, however long this season is. And I'm excited to see it play out. That kind of leads me into uh, my next question, which was the Kings score a ton of points. They also give up a ton of points. Are they 
close to contention? Is it just they need a couple of guys? Like uh, for the Warriors, they, they drafted uh, Draymond Green and then got Andre Iguodala. Uh, defensively, is it just a couple of guys? Is it a system-wide problem? that Because they'll like score 109 and give up 110 every night. So it the margins are close where it seems like they could turn that corner, you know, statistically at least. Uh, what are you seeing on the ground? How close are they to actually being in playoff contention for that eight seed? No, the Kings are a ways away. Uh, they they still have a long way to go. And, and contention for the playoffs is one thing. Uh, contention for a championship is what's more important. Uh, and the Kings are maybe in years past, they would have settled for, okay, we made the playoffs that's a win, even though we have no ch- shot at winning a championship. Now that Monty McNair and this new front office is in, they want to take the time they need today, make the sacrifices they need to today to be able to build a team that two, three, four years down the road could compete for championships consistently. So in order to do that, you have to sometimes do a full reset, other times do a partial reset, which is more of what we're seeing here with McNair and the talent that the Kings already have, like De'Aaron Fox, Bagley, Buddy Heald, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, the Kings are the Kings are a, way, a long ways away from contending for a championship. Uh, they have a chance of, I guess, sneaking into the playoffs because of the playoff uh, eighth and seventh seed tournament that they're going to have this season like they had in the bubble last season. But I think the the expectation is that the Kings will once again be in the bottom of the Western Conference. They have a lot of development to do. They're going, trying to go young again, trying to reset. Uh, I have a feeling two or three of the major pieces on this Kings team will not be there by the end of the season. I think they will be traded before at the trade deadline. Uh, so the Kings are, are going to move backwards, I think, today in order to move forwards tomorrow. Who doesn't like a good rebuild? A good rebuild. Uh, I don't when, know. When you've, when you've tried a good rebuild about 10 times in the last 14, 15 seasons, you get a little tired of it, but hopefully this will be the one. Definitely. Random tangent. Are the Sixers going to be good, or is it just that they keep getting uh, injured at the wrong time, or is it just uh, there was too much acclaim and they never really did the work overall? I don't know with the Sixers. The Sixers are a, a team that like they're they're talented enough to be good, but they're missing the pieces that make a championship team, if that makes sense. Love Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons needs to add an outside shot to his game if he's ever going to be what everybody, I think, thinks he is. Uh, I love that Doc Rivers is there, excellent head coach, so I think that will immediately help them. They still need help with shooting, uh, which is why I thought they would be actively trying to shop uh, and and acquire Buddy Heald from the Sacramento Kings, but nothing really came out of that. Now, there's still plenty of time for them to find a shooter. We know they're interested uh, in James Harden with that that current sweepstakes with the the Houston Rockets right now. But there's just so many question marks about the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. I would put the Celtics, the Heat, the Bucks, at least those three teams, even the Raptors ahead of them for likely champions in the Eastern Conference. So Luke Walton is the coach of the Kings now. This is his first season, correct? Second season. Second season. Last season was his first season, although with the abnormalities of the season and on top of that, the, the amount of injuries that the Sacramento Kings dealt with, it, it kind of felt almost like a wash. Um, he might wish this was his first full season. And of course, now that he's with a new front office, it may seem like a a first season again for him, but officially this is his second year as the Kings head coach. How are the players responding to him? And do you think that he could lead a team to the finals? Because outside of filling in for Steve Kerr on that 
you know, outstanding Warriors team. He's been below league average. You know, he hasn't gone 500 in any season. What do you see from him? Do you think that he is the coach to get them over that hump? I'm hopeful that he is because the Kings have had a revolving door of head coaches for a long time and, and you need some kind of stability and hopefully he is it. Uh, that being said, there are, he has a lot of critics here in Sacramento amongst fans, amongst media members. Um, and, and typically when a new general manager and a new front office comes in, if there is a current head coach in place, he doesn't stick around for long. He doesn't last long. So I would imagine that Luke Walton's days in Sacramento are numbered. He might see out this season. I, I actually expect him to see out this season. I have no idea about next year. Um, he's trying to do the right things and for the most part is saying the right things. And I do believe the players like him. He has had issues with, with Buddy Heald, which seem to be fixed or solved uh, at the moment. But he's a long ways away from being the coach of a championship team. I guess I'll say that. Because I saw him with the Warriors and I was like, oh, he's going to be really, really good. And then he struggled with the Lakers. But then again, they weren't these Lakers with LeBron and everything switched up. So I'm like, I, I couldn't get a good grasp on how he actually is as a coach, being that I watch, you know, a little bit, not a ton. So I'm not as plugged in as you are. Hey, it's me again, and I want to know if you are ready for some football. College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up, and the playoff picture is becoming clearer. There is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust at Locked On, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. The NBA season starts today, and if you want to bet on the Warriors and not the Kings like the guys that I'm talking about today, all you got to do is go to their website, betonline.ag. You can click on their futures area in the basketball section, and you can place a bet on whether or not the Warriors are going to have over or under 38.5 wins. The line for under 38.5 wins is minus 145, and if they get over 38 and a half, then you're at plus 115. So that's the line for their Warriors season overall. They have plenty of bets that you can choose from at betonline.ag. Go ahead and click around, find your specialty, and uh, go sign up for a free account with promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever. That is Built Bar, my friends. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They've got their original 12 flavors like mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, toffee almond, orange, orange, orange and peanut butter brownie. Uh, all of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars. And each built bar is built for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And their bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. So all you got to do to get your hands on some of these delicious treats is go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you will get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I do have one question. Do you use Basketball Reference or any of the sites that have some of the analytics for basketball? 
Absolutely. Basketball references is where I spend most of my time if I'm looking for in-depth information. NBA.com is also really, really good uh, for, for statistics uh, and things like that. They actually, it, it takes a while to learn how to navigate NBA.com. Same thing with basketball reference, really. Um, but once you know where to go for what you're looking for, you'll find pretty much anything on those two sites. I mean, we have baseball reference on the MLB side. It's fantastic. And then you got fan graphs too. So you can do a little bit of both. I know how to do it for baseball, but what stats do you look at for a basketball player? Analytically, at least when uh, you're like, Oh, is this a good basketball player? When like, say somebody gets traded to the Kings and you're like, Hey, I don't know a ton about them. What stats are you looking for to give like quick take for, uh, for locked on Kings? Uh, offensive and defensive rating are, are good to pay attention to in terms of scoring. Uh, I like to pay attention to shooting percentage overall uh, and, and not just the percentage itself, but how many attempts that they are taking per game. If it's a high percentage with a high amount of attempts, you know, that's a high volume scorer who, who cashes in a lot. There could be a player that shoots 80% from three point range, but only takes 0.2 attempts per game. So really that, that doesn't mean uh, a whole lot. So I pay a lot of attention uh, to shooting percentage. Um, assist to turnover ratio is really good for um, guards and playmakers and those who are going to be more passers and, and trying to get their teammates involved instead of uh, scoring themselves. And then there's a lot of really specific stats based off of a player's play style to look at. For example, De'Aaron Fox, he's a fast player. So there's pace-based stats. There's scoring around the rim versus scoring outside of the paint. Uh, there is um, just tempo, overall tempo that he plays with and, and, and the team plays with when he's on the floor. So uh, I, I tend to look at two or three of those stats, like shooting percentage, offensive, defensive rating for every single player. And then I will mold my statistical um and analysis around what I believe a, a player's strengths, weaknesses, and play style are. And what would be a good offensive or defensive rating uh, on the site? Like uh, for war purposes, like Mike Trout would put up like eight or nine war a season. And that's really, really good. What, what's it like for a uh, offensive defensive rating? I always get this mixed up and I'm, I'm in preseason form. So I'm afraid that I'm saying it wrong, but I think it's right. The higher an offensive rating, the better, the lower a defensive rating, the better. So if you see a player that has an 106 offensive rating and 106 defensive rating, it's, it's a pretty average player. They're strong offensively, but defensively they struggle. And that's more common in the NBA versus if you can find a player that has say 107 or 108 offensive rating, but a 94, 95 defensive rating, then that's pretty solid. Again, I'm, I'm a little concerned that I mixed them up, but I'm pretty sure that is correct. And if any NBA stat gurus are out there listening and screaming right now, I apologize. It, it logically makes sense because you want defense to be better. So lower number, I think that that's where I'm going with it. So I follow um, is 100 the baseline. Is that like the absolute average kind of like a WRC plus or something like that? Around uh, around that, yeah, typically. So I was looking over the Kings roster because I didn't know a ton of the – like I knew like Buddy Heald, Deer, and Fox. I know the names, but I was looking at some of the new guys, and there was one guy, Tyrese Halliburton, that uh, one interesting – you don't see too many Halliburtons out in the world, so good. Uh, he's a lefty shooter from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So he has lefty shooter in Oshkosh. I loved all those things. I'm intrigued by him. What can you tell me about – my new favorite NBA player, Tyrese Halliburton. 
Well, he's a rookie this year. He was the Sacramento Kings' 12th uh, pick in this this NBA draft. And Tyrese is uh, a player that was not expected to be there at number 12, uh, but fell to the Kings, and the Kings were thrilled to get him. So far in these preseason games, uh, we've seen that he's a significantly better defender than I think all of us thought. Uh, he's very good at jumping passing lanes and, uh, and stealing the ball away. He fits well seemingly in the Kings fast paced style and fast paced system. He is a player that we have been told uh, teammates love to play with because he's always looking to make his teammates better and help his teammates before he's looking for his own shot. Uh, There are questions of his aggressiveness, which of course he's a rookie. So it's easy to get intimidated early on and not necessarily know how to find your shot. So Kings fans would like to see Tyrese be a little more aggressive trying to score himself. Uh, but this has been a very successful preseason for him, and we're really excited to see how big of a, a part of the King's future success he is because there are many that believe he could be a King for a very long time. My, my jersey's in the mail. I, that's You sold me. I, I'm on it. <laughs> so I'll, I will get you out of here on this one. Uh, you did say that you're an A's fan, so I will say, who are your favorite of all time, uh, Kings and A's? Just a couple of each or one of each. It doesn't matter. Favorite Sacramento King of all time is is Mike Bibby. Grew up uh, loving him. Uh, also was a big fan of of Jason Williams and pretty much any of those the the classic Kings. I I have the opportunity to work every single day with Doug Christie, who was one of those uh, Kings, which is really really cool for me. Uh, and then in terms of Oakland A's, Eric Chavez. Eric Chavez is my favorite Oakland A, uh, the Gold Glover. I had uh, uh, for some reason I just really really enjoyed him. Uh, growing up. So Eric Chavez was, I, I, I loved, I loved Jermaine Dye, big fan of Mark Kotze for some reason. Um, Ichiro or not Ichiro, excuse me, Kurt Suzuki uh, was one of my, uh, my favorite players uh, for a while with the A's, even though they weren't too great at the time, huge Josh Donaldson fan. I was a huge UNS Cespedes fan, still am. Uh, but right now I have a massive man crush on Matt Chapman. Uh, and I, I hope he is able to get healthy and get back because the A's certainly could have used him in that series against the Astros. And it was a, it was a bummer to see him go down after the success that he's had over the last couple of years. I'm still, as an A's fan, I'm cautiously optimistic that Chapman won't be the latest in a list of players to, to break A's fans' hearts when the A's elect to let them go or get rid of them for another young prospect and they go and are phenomenal and win elsewhere. I'm hoping Chapman will be an A for his entire career and will be around for a long period of time, but we'll have to see. The, the A's have to prove that to me as well as many of their other fans, as you know. Yeah, it's like a, the whole building the new ballpark thing. Until they do it, I'm not going to believe that it's going to happen at, with any regularity. But they signed Chris Davis, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'd really like that uh, $17 million back because he fell off a cliff. Which is unfortunate. And at the yeah. same time, though, like – I get the desire to build a new stadium. Look, the Oakland Coliseum, I know how bad it is, but I love the Coliseum. I will forever love the Coliseum, and I love that ballpark. And every time I get to go to the Coliseum, I'm a happy man. Uh, plus, I, I give um, I give the A's a lot of credit for what they've done over the last couple of years to make the ballpark better, The adding the treehouse, adding the, the recliner seats, things like that, the beer gardens in both left and right field. Uh, I, I love what they're doing. Um, but I understand a need and a desire for a new stadium. I, I, I get that. But at the same time, to me, the reason why fans aren't in seats is not because of the stadium. Fans aren't in seats because it's, it's been difficult as an A's fan over the years to root for a team 
that you don't know if your favorite player is going to be around for a long period of time, where you feel guilty buying a jersey in the team store because you don't know if two years from now that jersey is going to be irrelevant because that player is going to be gone. And at the same time, when you have a neighboring organization like the San Francisco Giants, who, of course, they've had a recent success, but they have a player that comes through their system, a couple players like Madison Bumgarner and Buster Posey. And they get to their star potential and then they sign these long-term contracts to stay in the Bay. Uh, that is a big difference when you're looking at how the Giants have handled their stars versus how the A's handle their stars. It's the brand of green collar baseball that we all love. And it's fun to see these young prospects come through and, and excel and be successful in Oakland. I would just like to see them stay long-term. Definitely. I wholeheartedly agree on that one um, with Chapman and Olsen to a lesser degree. Uh, I think that I'm trying to prepare myself because I think that next next offseason, if they're going to move them, that would be when they do it. So I'm trying to mentally get ready for it because uh, if you've seen they're not spending money right now. And uh, I don't think that an extension is going to be coming. And if they're not making headway with the ballpark or anything like that, then it's probably not a good sign. So I'm just trying to mentally prepare myself, whether it happens or not, it's better to be uh, ready for it than surprised by it and, you know, be sad about it for even longer. So just mm -hmm. mentally, that's where I'm at right now. And it's such a shame too, because like you said, they're not spending money right now. And I understand it from a COVID standpoint. And look, I know every, every team in, in baseball, basketball, football, everybody's suffering with their bottom line right now. But the Oakland A's are in a position to where they could win now if they just added a piece or two or if they were willing to honestly do them. Like a, a lot of people go back to the UNS Cespedes John Lester trade and they rip that trade apart because, oh, you were everything was going so well and you made this trade, you made this move and you messed up team chemistry. But I give Billy Bean and the A's credit for that move because at least they said, you know what, we're actually going for it. It didn't work. But they said they were going for it after two straight postseasons of getting knocked out because they didn't have an ace that could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with, with Verlander. They go get their ace, and unfortunately, everything falls apart the second half of the, uh, the uh, season, and they lose in Kansas City in the wild card game. It sucks. It is what it is. But at least they went for it. Right now, it feels like, okay, we have the core that could win right now, but we're still not going to go for it. And it's frustrating to see them just say, okay, we're going to keep rolling out the same rotation even if they are a bunch of exciting young arms, they've struggled to stay healthy in the past. Many of them don't really have uh, any kind of playoff or championship experience. That part frustrates me for a team that should be in a window of winning for maybe that window is starting to close. Quite honestly, last season seemed like the perfect season for them really to make their push and they didn't really do anything. And I'm hoping they try and do something this year. So the frustrations of being an A's fan is I'm sure, you know, uh, good news for you. John Lester, free agent right now. And nope. uh... <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. tried that once. We'll never forgive him for uh, for the uh, Kansas City choke. I don't put it all on him, but I, I do put a lot of it on him wasting Brandon Moss's two home run game. Uh, at least Kansas City went on to be really special that year. The most frustrating part is that the Tigers were bad that year. So even if you didn't make that trade, you didn't need Lester to beat the Tigers, damn it. So I'm, I'm still not over that. Well, and I think that I, obviously I uh, dislike John Lester for that start so much, but I guess in his defense, it was that uh, Giovanni Soto got hurt mid game and then was unable to control the running game. And then that's when they started taking, uh, you know, control of John Lester, not being able to throw to first base. So 
he was doing okay up until they threw in Derek Norris, who didn't have an arm. And then yeah. that's what really uh, turned everything. And then also, uh, who was it? Was it Sam Fold that got hurt in that game? Somebody got hurt in left field. And so the final play of the game, or one of them, uh, should have been an out. But instead, Johnny Gomes and somebody uh, collided. And that's how the game ends. And you're like, all right, well, if uh, the other outfielder was out there, that wouldn't have happened either. So I think injuries had a little bit to do with it. Still very fun and exciting game. Sucks that we came out on, on the losing end of that one. But I had a good time watching it at, yep. for the most part. I was in college at the time, and I remember watching with with roommates, and it was certainly a roller coaster. It was everything you want in a postseason game, especially a wild card format, where I love that single game elimination format because anything can happen. But we know, especially in recent years, the wild card has not been friendly to the A's with both the Yankees, and then I was at the Coliseum when they uh, got their butts kicked by Tampa Bay, and then to lose in a neutral location to the Houston and Astros it's just the A's someday the break will come but it's been pain to get to it that's for sure well it feels like every time that the A's have a pretty decent team something funky happens like this year it was the COVID year so they didn't get to play at the Coliseum and whether or not they would have beaten the Astros at the Coliseum they would have had a better shot because Josh Reddick and some of the other Astros were saying we don't want to face them at the Coliseum so taking them out of that we feel like we can beat them now and so that was just a weird confidence thing that they did and so if for some, if they had just played at the Coliseum, I feel like they would have been okay. And then in 2012, it was the first year of the uh, the wild card, so they didn't have scheduling for that. So they had to play the first two games in Detroit, and there was a ball hit to the wall that should have gone out, but because it was like 30 degrees and disgusting in Detroit, it didn't. And that is the uh, the reason that the A's did not win that series. So weird things happen when they have really good teams, and I don't like it. So. Yeah, the universe sometimes feels like they're against Oakland, but the A's time will come. I feel it. Oh, definitely, definitely. You have any questions for me uh, regarding the A's? Um, I you you solved a, a lot of them just with our general conversation about uh, about the A's spending money. I guess I'll ask just about this this rotation. What is the best case scenario for the Oakland A's rotation? In, in terms of they stay put, they stay young, people, for the most part, stay healthy. What is the best case scenario for this rotation? I think Luzardo takes that next step. He becomes the ace that we've been hoping for and, you know, hearing about. He becomes more consistent is basically he, he's had the good games, but he just needs to be more consistent overall. Uh, A.J. Puck is healthy for as long as he can be. Uh, whether or not like because he hasn't pitched a lot. So I don't know what his innings limit would be. Is it 80 innings, 100 innings? However many that is, that's great for him. And he's also good uh, while pitching. So, because he hasn't been doing it much. And then you got uh, Frankie Montas. He's shown spurts, maybe what he did late in the season. Maybe he can uh, hold on to that. Also, he had that neck injury. So hopefully that's healed. And that seems like it derailed his mechanics a little bit. Uh, Shamanaya, let's make him a fourth starter and get what we get. Uh, Make him more consistent. If you got to have him throw five innings, so be it. And then uh, Chris Bassett, he was pretty good. Some of his underlying numbers scare me a little bit moving forward, but I think that he could, uh, he could be, they, they, have, they have the makings of a decent rotation, but I don't know if it's going to be enough overall. So. And then the last question I, I guess I have for you is in your mind, was last season the best chance for the Oakland A's to win a world series compared to this upcoming season? I, I do think that it was. Yes. Um, it feels like right now they are trying to win the AL West and not a championship because they could spend $20 million on this market with 
you know, it, with what the market is right now and make themselves World Series favorites if they wanted to, but they're not going to. So uh, that's fun, I guess. <laughs> is what it is. Life of an Oakland A's fan. We know that well. Spend money. Nope. Get prospects. Yep. That's that's Oakland A's in a nutshell. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Matt. Um, where can the people find you to follow you on social media and your show and all that stuff? At Matt George Radio is how you can find me. Uh, mostly tweet about the Sacramento Kings and the Sacramento Republic FC soccer team, which I, I cover in person here. But during the Oakland A season, you will hear me tweet and talk a lot about the A's, especially when I'm hosting uh, on KHDK 1140 radio here in Sacramento. We talk about the A's uh, a lot there. One of my favorite interviews uh, that I got to do uh, on the air last season uh, or yeah, well, yeah, last season was a uh, an interview with uh, with Jesus Lazardo, and that was really really fun to be able to talk to him. Uh, so also had the opportunity to, to chat with Matt Chapman and Matt Olson a couple times, which is really cool. Uh, so you can check me out there, and then at uh, the Locked On Kings podcast, if you're interested in Sacramento Kings basketball, we uh, we do what we can to make it entertaining and fun, despite the the team struggles and we're looking forward to a, a fun year of podcasts with this abnormality happening. Uh, so please join us there. Sounds good. Thank you so much for uh, making the time, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. It was fun joining you. Thank you. No problem. Have a good day. A big thank you to Matt George for joining us on this episode of Locked On A's. It's a very special crossover because I don't know that much about the Kings and I learned a decent amount about uh, just where they've been these last 15 or so years. And if you've made it this far, I do have to tell you that Matt George, after we recorded this episode on Friday, he released a music video starring himself, which is actually fairly entertaining and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I will link to it in the show notes. If you've made it this far, it's probably your cup of tea. So go check out Matt George, uh, rapping about why he, uh, stands by his takes that the Kings did not need to draft Luka Doncic. So, uh, have fun with that. It's great. He's a great guy. Really enjoyed having Matt on the program. Maybe we'll have him on again soon. Talk about some A's and Kings. Uh, see how the season's going. So uh, that is it for me today, you guys. we got one more episode coming for you guys this week. It'll be out tomorrow. We're talking with uh, the host of Locked On Rangers and the Locked On Rockies. Just uh, doing our little Festivus episode, doing our uh, our complaints about our own teams and also feats of strength where we nominate one player from our team and then uh, the other two guys get two minutes to just crap on that pick. So uh, it's a lot of fun. We had a good time recording it. So uh, make sure to tune into that. Subscribe wherever you like here in podcasts. And uh, that's it, I guess. Uh, uh, stay indoors, celebrate good times, Oakland, keep wearing those masks, and I will talk at you guys tomorrow in a pre-recorded voice.